you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. When I walked in darkness, light sprang in. Aren't you glad that you have the light of the word of the Lord in your life? His word have I hid in my heart. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. I'm glad I'm living in the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. God bless you tonight. You can be seated. What an incredible, incredible, powerful presence of the Lord that we feel in the house tonight. Give this choir a great big hand. Thank you for leading us tonight. Amen. It is a distinct honor tonight to be able to introduce my friend and a friend to many of you as we have grown to love and get to know the Stricklands more deeply over the years. This church has been so blessed. When I asked them when the last time that they were with us, it was very easy for them to remember. Many of you perhaps may remember them being with us on a Super Bowl Sunday about seven years ago, and we raised funds to be able to fund them to go back on the mission field, and our church gave, and we absolutely raised their entire budget for the next three years from our church, our giving budget, I mean, to support the Stricklands. Remember football night? I still have a signed football in my office. We love the Stricklands so very much. I mentioned them Wednesday night. This is one of the most well-cultured missionaries, missionary families that you will ever meet. Brother Strickland was born in Louisiana and raised in Louisiana and then, of course, went to Greece as a missionary and is fluent in Greece. So he speaks English, uh, Cajun English, Greek, speaks in tongues, and, of course, he married his lovely wife, Sister Strickland, who is from... Sicily, Italy, and uh, speaks fluent Italian, and their love story is amazing because they met, and it was only the language of love and eyes that they could communicate because she spoke no Greek and no English, and he spoke no Italian, but as love would have it, they learned to speak and to communicate, and 
they spent a great deal of time in Greece, and that's where we were blessed to meet them and get to know them originally. And several of you were able to make a, tri a trip to Greece, and that original connection was through Brother Jonathan and Sister Maria Strickland. And they have two lovely, lovely daughters, and uh, uh, they're just sweethearts. And we're so thankful for the work they are doing. God has moved their focus to Ireland, and there he serves um, as district superintendent to their district, which covers uh, Ireland and uh, northern England and Scotland, and so a very large region that they are serving, and of course, I always let them know when they come to Indiana, I would be offended if they went somewhere else. And so we always want them to come and spend time with us and be in service with us. He is a wonderful preacher of the gospel. He has a wonderful family. We love the Strickland so very much. He's going to come tonight. They're going to share their burden with us. He's going to minister to us. Maybe Sister Strickland's going to preach. I don't know. I invited her to come this morning and to preach in my stead, and she turned me down. But uh, who knows what we're going to get tonight. We love the Strickland so very much. I want you to make them feel very, very welcome. Jonathan and Maria and Ashley and Sienna. And we love them very much. Greet them in Jesus' name. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the journey, there were a lot of challenges, a lot of second thoughts, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of tough decisions that we made. Having served most of my time in, in Greece, my, my ministry, my young ministry, um, serving with my family, having gone over as a missionary kid originally, um, was a big, big decision. But we felt that the Lord was definitely in it and the Lord was leading us to, to seek for that that place that he wanted us and um, we took a step of faith when the time came we, we spoke to our superiors and told them we're not going to seek another term in Greece God has another place for us and uh, once we took the step of faith and decided that, that um, we're going to just trust God and God's going to open the doors for us country and after we found a spirit that was what God really wanted I spoke to God different ways and I said God you're gonna have to make sure that whatever we do I understand that's your will what I feel for Dublin and Ireland today is just love it's just something that that uh, and many many times I walked through the city centers through the city and I just cried just survey the, 
the needs in Ireland. What 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 is it that work needs here? And and it was just so clear to me that that it just needed more churches, uh, more meeting places, more preaching points. Every single family that God has connected us with, we just allowed it to grow through our connections, our social work, our community work, our relational work, and just God keeps bringing us quality families. And that was another thing. God later on said, I want you to name it the family church because I'm going to bring you families. Anybody ready to go to Ireland yet? Praise God. Somebody said, build it and they will come. And I find in the kingdom that actually works. I find that if you allow the kingdom to be built in you, and to grow in you, innate in the kingdom is the DNA for it to grow out of you. As we were sharing with you in this presentation, and it may be hard for you to follow the storyline, but as Pastor Jordan said, we spent nearly 20 years of our ministry in Greece where we were honored to pastor the Crossroads Church there, one of our great churches in Europe, really in the world where during our tenure we were able to see over 25 churches planted in over 10 different countries through the ministry and crossroads. 
And we watched the church grow to some 600 members at five different campuses to 40 different nationalities. It was a joy to serve, and, and it was an incredible decision to leave all of that, to start over. But the Lord began to speak to our hearts about eight, ten years ago, saying, I, I have cities that have no voices. I have countries without representation. You have grown the leaders here. You have developed the cultural pastors here to continue this work and to move it forward. But I need you elsewhere. I need you to do it again. And to be honest with you, all of my friends thought I was crazy. Maybe some of these friends, too, thought maybe, what are you thinking? What are you doing? My family thought I was nuts. And what are you... Why would you leave one of the great churches to go start over? And I, I said, I, I, I just know what God is saying to me. I, I know that there's a need somewhere that God wants our family to commit to go. And it's a long story. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. But I'm happy to tell you tonight that God is faithful. That God is faithful. Hallelujah. And if you will let it grow in you, it will grow out of you. And not only is Crossroads healthy today and continuing on its mission, your pastor's wife was just there recently to testify to that, but I'm happy to tell you today the work in Ireland is moving forward. Hallelujah. When we first arrived in Ireland, there was one apostolic church five years ago in Ireland. And today, by working together with our fellow missionaries, Brother Cooney, Brother McFarland, also we have some other apostolic groups that are there. We have seen that swell to ten churches now in Ireland. <laughs> apostolic churches. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we first arrived in Ireland, I, I, I sought the Lord. I said, Lord, we've used this tool, that resource. What, you know, you know Ireland. You know the people here. What, what is it, what's going to connect with them best? Where do we need to start here? And this was, even though I was instrumental in planning churches through our church as a mother church, I, this was my first, you know, me, my family, my living room, and God. That was it. And I'd always heard that's a majority, right? And I'm going to tell you it's true. But as I, I asked God, Lord, you know, what tools, what, what resource? And God said, we're not going to use any of that. I said, oh, you get me out here alone and you take away all my tools as well. This is. But he spoke to some, something very clear to me. He said, son, let it be organic. And he said, if you'll cultivate the fields that are available to you, I will bring you the people you need. And so that's what we did. We started in the pots that we had. We started in the school, in the, in the, in the community centers. We started in the, in, the, in the community groups and just touching and reaching out to people. And I'm happy to tell you that in three years, out of our living room, we have grown now to three churches. Two in Dublin and one in Galway. With over 100 
disciples. I'm not talking about people we baptized once or got the Holy Ghost and came through and went out the back door. I'm talking about people who are there, faithful, who are serving, who are ministering, who are growing in the Lord, who are giving to the kingdom. God is good. I'm telling you, God is good and he is faithful. And if you will let the kingdom, as he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. As it is in heaven, if you'll let the kingdom grow in you, my friends, it will grow out of you. I promise you tonight. Hallelujah. Would you rejoice in the Lord? God has been good to us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And, of course, we could not have have seen these things without knowing that we have such friends standing with us and Appreciate your financial giving and support to missions, not just to us, but to all missions, but more importantly, your prayers. They do make a difference, and we appreciate you tonight. And it's just, we just came to give you the good report, the good news. God's doing good things. Uh, I, I said in the, in, the, in the video, when we came to Ireland, I saw the need. We just need churches. We need places that people can hear. Whether it's a living room, whether it's a, a hotel room, whether it's a community center, we just need meeting places, preaching points, places that they can come and encounter God. And it's our vision in our the remaining years to plant 20 churches in Ireland before we are done. I'm not going to put a ceiling on that. God can make it 50 or 100, whatever he wants to do. But would you pray and agree with us that God's going to give us the strength and the energy to get some churches planted across Ireland. Amen. I say we're well on our way. Three in three years, praise God. I'm not expecting that pace the whole way, but I'm going to tell you what. God is able. Man, it's impossible. With God, it's in, all things are possible. Amen. And also, now we have been made accountable to some 30 churches across Scotland, Ireland, and northern England. We have cities of of a million-plus people with no voice, no apostolic voice. Aberdeen, Scotland, Newcastle, England, Cork, Ireland, no voice. Amen. We We need God to raise up, grow up and out of us, young men, young women, young families who will go and preach the gospel. Maybe there's somebody over here that God will call to come and help us. But would you believe with us that God's going to enable us? He's going to equip us. He's going to grow out of us. Uh, Amen. The ability to see churches planted in these cities. Pray for us. Encourage us. It's encouraging to know that, that you all are standing with us tonight. I, I want to real quickly get to my wife because she's the best part of all of this deal. Um, and I, I've told you this before, but she's what it's all about. Really, it's, you know, when, when we missionaries come, we show you pictures. That's all nice and heartwarming. Sometimes we put some nice music behind it and it really gets your heart strings to mo- flowing. And, but today you have a living epistle among you. Uh, my wife was not born and raised in this truth or in this country, but because of people just like you missionary came and he poured out his burden and you said man I want to go with man I feel I sense that God's on you and you sent them to her country the country of Italy and when she was eight years old he came to her city and began to preach this gospel city of Catania Sicily where her father heard it when she was eight and believed it and received it amen and was baptized and now the whole family's serving the Lord and now she's a missionary back to her own continent for 20 years 
Amen. This is what it's all about. Hallelujah. This is why we go. And tonight you're seeing it in living color. So, Sister Mary, Maria Conovo Strickland, come on on up here where they can see you. Amen. She's been a great partner, and uh, she keeps me honest. And one thing you'll find about Europeans, they're not, they don't really embrace pretense. They like things to be authentic and real. So she keeps me on, the, on my knees. Praise God. Keeps me real. Sister Mary, praise the Lord. Folks, this is what it's about. Hallelujah. Amen. You're making a difference. Praise the Lord. I was trying to get the shortcut, but you know how preachers are. They want you to give them the platform. So, Brother Pastor Jordan might be sorry now. I might start to preach. <laughs> no, kidding. Just so good to see our friends who came to uh, Dublin a few times, two years back. And thank you to the Jordans and their family for hosting beautifully, uh, hosting the hotel. And, and the kindness and the friendship that they they offer all through the year, the years, and I wanted my girls to meet them um, properly because they couldn't remember who the Jordans were. But it's been a fantastic experience through the years, and God has allowed us to serve. And you might think of yourself a, bit, a little bit lower than what you should or whatever. Just don't underestimate what God wants to do for you, through you, and for others. Uh, it might be the simple thing, but... Um, God, we take that and make it special. And that's, I, I feel that way about what God has done in me more than anything else. And um, I love Dublin. I love Ireland. I don't know what it is. I just, so many times, like I said in the video, so many times I look out the window, I hear the quiet, still voice. We have a lot of winds and a lot of uh, temperature change. But I, in the dark of the morning, I, I made my mind, I will get up very early. I want to hear the voice, but also there's other voices out there sometimes, and we have to pray through. And I, I find that God has done amazing things in me, but just doing the simple things. And so I'm excited. I want to go home. I, I don't look for having Christmas here. I am sorry. You're lovely. You're caring, and your Christmas and your your beauty of the country. I just don't want to be here. <laughs> I want to go home. I want to go where the call is. But I'm gonna come and see you again. So thank you. I love y'all. Praise God. Or you all can come have Christmas with us. You are welcome. Praise God. Well, that's the end of the commercial. We just want to be a blessing to you. And I don't want to wear you out tonight. I know it's been a long day. If we look a little ruffled, we just drove in from Valparaiso from service this morning. So we are also a little bit. Uh, of course, Pastor, he's been to two or three services today as well. So feel like I'm back on the mission field. Amen. But I want to leave something with you. And I really felt I, this, this deputation, I'm just trying to follow the Lord. I, I, I've been on deputations where God has given me a sermon or two that he wants me to share with the churches. But this time I'm just kind of feeling it out. And I, when I saw the youth of this church, I just felt to speak something tonight. Is that okay if I just, I'm just going to be me, all right? I know this is a very well-kept pulpit. But I can only be me, and I'm just going to be honest with you tonight and speak from my heart. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 10, and while you're turning, flipping, clicking, whatever, I want to say thank you to Pastor Jordan and Sister Annette and 
the boys for being our friends. And um, I just appreciate real people. And um, we don't talk every day. I'll be honest with you. We don't talk every day. But I have no doubt in my mind, anytime I have a need, I, ha I only have to pick up the phone and call Phil Jordan, and he would be there for me. I just know that. And uh, I appreciate those kinds of people. And, um, and I, I feel in some way we've been a part of your journey here, too. I know some of the struggles and battles and fights to just get in, into this beautiful building. Wow. And I just celebrate with you tonight. I'm just so, so full of smiles and happiness for you tonight. And I look forward to that other building getting built over there as well. And uh, seeing the work of God go forward. But thank you for your friendship, Brother Jordan, and, um, and this great church, Christian Life Center. Church, Christian Life Church. Praise God. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 10. I don't know your tradition. You want to stay seated. You want to stand. Just whatever makes you comfortable. Just don't go to sleep on me. Praise God. All right, we're going to stand for the reading of the word. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 10. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Or in other words, he's asking, Why do you tell them so many stories? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. You've been walking with me, and I've had to open your understanding a few times. You've seen my ministry, but to them, they have not been given this opportunity. Therefore, I bring the gospel to them in stories. Praise God. I want to talk to you tonight on this subject, the power of a story. The power of a story. Praise God. Would you just put down the iPads, phones, Bibles, books, and just clap your hands and give the Lord a big shout of praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I, I, if you just stay standing for a minute, I, I need prayer. Tomorrow's a big day for me, and Pastor knows some challenges that are in front of me, and tomorrow there's some things that are going to be moving tomorrow, and I just, I need the favor of God to be on me tomorrow. Amen. Would you just pray for me? Would you stretch forth your hand and pray that God will be with me and he'll grace me tomorrow? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I receive it. I accept it. I stand upon it. I believe it and I agree with the faith that's been extended to me right now. I agree in the name of Jesus Christ that all is well, that all is well, that I am in your hands and that I am kept by you and that I am safe. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise God. You may be seated tonight. Banu Rani qualified for the Olympic team in India in 1976. It was there that she was informed because of short 
fall in the budget raising and the government's funding of the Olympic team, that her particular sport would not, her way would not be paid to Montreal for the Olympics. But she was informed that if she could somehow find a way to get her own self to Montreal, she could certainly compete for her country in her particular field of cycling. Uh, she quizzed many of her family members. She tried to raise funds the best way she knew how, but she was terribly short of the necessary funds. So she had this great idea, I will take my bicycle and I will begin to ride towards Europe. And I will work my way across uh, Iran and uh, Syria and Turkey and into Greece. And there I will, I will have enough money to fly to Montreal and to compete for my country. So she set out on this journey. And when she got to Iran, uh, it was there that she began to work for a family. But there they took her passport and in essence they kidnapped her. And she was trapped there for nearly three years laboring in Iran. Of course, she missed the Olympics because of this, this uh, tragedy that befell her. But after she was finally able to get free of that family, she made her way across Syria and then on into Turkey. And in Turkey, she was informed by her family that they had, they had uh, um, uh, um, committed her to be married in India to a young man that she did not know. And she needed to turn around and come back home. And she decided at that point she did not want to be married to this person she did not know. And she decided to continue her journey on into Europe. And there she thought, I will find a new life for her, myself. She made her way on into Greece and searching and looking for a new life for herself. She came across the young lady on a bus who went to a particular church called the Crossroads Church. And there she began to share with her her story about how God had brought her from Malaysia to Greece. And there she had found this beautiful church where she had found this beautiful relationship with Jesus and how it had changed her life. She said, you know, this is, sounds like what I'm looking for, a change of life. Uh, I've been disappointed and I've been uh, uh, discouraged at every turn. She said, I'm looking for something more. She said, you will find it if you will come with me Sunday to the Crossroads Church. Uh, Benu Ronnie walked into the Crossroads Church on that Sunday, and there she met Jesus. Uh, there she gave her life to God, and she was baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It was at that point that she committed her life to God. She could not marry because if she did, the family that she had spurned would send out people to hurt her or to find her. And so she committed, I will give my life to Jesus uh, and I will serve Jesus. Uh, and so she committed to teach Bible studies. Uh, that was her commitment. Uh, and in 20, 30, 30 plus years uh, of knowing Benu Rani, that woman taught uh, at least 20 Bible studies a week. But during my tenure as pastor, I watched over 500 people baptized in the name of Jesus through the Bible study teaching and ministry of Sister Banu Rani. And two years ago, we lost Sister Banu. She went home to her reward. But there was a request that came to me in Ireland. They said, Pastor, Sister Benu wanted you to preach her funeral. 
I felt so unworthy because I don't want to stand next to that woman in, in judgment. Because I know the commitment that she made and I know the difference she made it in the kingdom. Many of those churches I'm telling you about today, amen, were some of her converts and some of her disciples that she raised up and they went out and they planted churches. But as I begin to think about what could I say at the funeral of such a wonderful and beautiful woman and such a beautiful story, God spoke to me this thought. Because I remembered I knew Ronnie had a way. She would go on the buses. She would go on the subways. She would go on the trolleys and the trams. And she would find someone to sit next to. And then she would ask them, where are you from? And what's your story? And what, what, what's, what's, what's interesting in your life? And after they would finish, she would pat them on the knee. She does that away with a genuine, authentic smile. And she said, now, let me tell you my story. And it was through the power of her story. That she made a difference in her world and in the kingdom. Stories are one of the most powerful ways that humans can engage. Stories are vital to every connection. Stories go far beyond just relaying facts and data. But stories have a way of emotionalizing information. But I think you could all agree with me tonight, not all stories are equal. The most powerful stories are authentic stories. Someone once said it this way, authenticity is learning how to be interested and not just interesting. Otherwise, your audience will never believe you. Jesus understood that a story told well and spoken at the right season in life can have a massive effect. A story can inspire. A story will move people to take action. And it was just such a story in John chapter 9 that, that we, we read Jesus spitting on the ground and then making clay from the saliva. And I like the way the scripture puts it. He then anoints. The eyes of a blind man. And after Jesus anointed this blind man's eyes with the muck that was created with his spit. He then sent him to the pool of Siloam to wash and the blind man obeyed. And here's the interesting part of the story. The blind man returned from washing in the pool of Siloam, the muck, the anointing from his eyes. And when he returned, he was seeing. Wow, what a story. But that's not the end of the story. The former blind man's neighbors now begin to talk. Others in the community began to question if he were the same man they remembered as being blind. And he responded to them, it's me. The former blind man's parents are now called in to the authorities. And the Pharisees asked them to speak for their son. And they said to him, well, why don't you let him tell you his story himself? 
And so they begin to interview the blind, former blind man. And he begins to tell them his story and how it all transpired. And then the Pharisee said, uh, tell us again. And the blind man said, you must want to be disciples of Jesus. He said, look. As I have told you before, whether or not this man, Jesus, is a sinner is something you are going to have to work out for yourself. But all I can tell you is my story. And here is my story. Once I was blind, but now I see. I'm here to tell somebody tonight, never underestimate the power of your story. It may not have the ribbons and the bows of someone else in this room tonight, but there is a community. There is a circle. There is a place that God has put you in that your story is meant to, to shake it up. Hallelujah. Your story is meant to make a difference. Your story is meant to communicate hope to someone. Don't let the enemy kill, steal, and destroy your witness. Don't let the enemy kill, steal, and destroy your word and your testimony tonight. Uh, but tonight I'm trying to encourage someone, maybe a young person tonight. You've got a story to tell. Don't let your story be silenced. If you ever were lost at any time in your life, but now you are found, you have a story to tell. If you have ever gone astray, prodigals, but God has called you home, you have a story to tell. If you've ever found yourself sinking into depression and despair, but now you are hopeful, you are confident, you are full of peace, you have a story to tell. If you've ever been hurting, but tonight you are healed, then you have a story to declare. You have something to say. Someone once said it this way, scars are like tattoos, but with better stories. Your wounds are your greatest opportunities. They are God's story for you. It is specific to you. It was designed to work for you. It can only be understood by you. That's why Jesus didn't say, take up my cross and follow me. He said, take up your cross and follow me. There's a reason for that. We can observe others' crosses, but we can never understand them. And Jesus knew we would never understand his cross. Why would, great is the mystery of godliness, huh? Amen, that God would be manifest in the flesh, uh, that he would come and he would die for us and rise again. It's hard for us to understand, but he says, if you'll take up your cross, you understand your journey, you understand your story, it can only be told through you. But I tell you tonight, it does not matter how much God desires to share through your story if you do not know how to tell your story. A secret story is a worthless story. If we do not understand how to interpret God's will in our lives, then how can we embrace it? How can we declare it? How can we partner with it? How can we realize it? I'm going to tell these young people here tonight, our stories must go beyond the stories that were told to us. God is not looking for clones. 
who are good for passing down inheritances, but are incapable of creating one. I'm a fifth generation apostolic preacher. There are a lot of blessings and things that I'm thankful for in that, but there's a lot of curses that come with that as well. And one of it is a little bit of entitlement. You know, I feel like this is my church. You know, my grandfather did this. My dad did that. I, I deserve a few things. Thank God for global missions. That's going to beat that out of me. I was struck by something that one of our elders said at our 50th celebration of the church in Great Britain and Ireland. And uh, this dear sister, she got up and she said, to think that all of this came out of a prayer meeting in a car. Two or three people together in a car, believing together, praying together that God would bring revival, that God would see churches planted all across Great Britain and Ireland. And today there's over 100 churches in Great Britain and Ireland, amen, and many more to come. Uh, but when she said that, I, I, I begin to ask myself, amen, where, where are those that are less content to travel a road that is safe and well-worn? Uh, where are those who will be pioneers of this generation who are ready to take the gospel to the road that is less traveled. Amen. Looking to leave an inheritance behind. God is looking for diverse disciples in this generation. And he's looking for diverse stories so he can reach into diverse communities. We must be less content with being a part of a corporate story. And we must become more intentional to find a personal witness in our life. I know today was about evangelism, and I'm just trying to tag in today. I want to tell you, you've got a story to tell, and God wants to use you. It's not about us. It's about you tonight. God wants to use you, your story, your experience, your journey. He wants to use it to impact a life. Apostle Paul understood this in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. He said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me. Because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry who was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man. But I obtained mercy. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love. And this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. This is my story. He didn't, he didn't hide anything. He didn't, he didn't cover up some things. He just said, this is who I was, uh, but by the grace of God, I am saved. And it's for this reason, he said, that I obtained mercy, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting If your story is to be believed tonight, if your story is to create a conversation, if your story is to leave a legacy, it needs to answer three questions. The first question your story needs to answer is, what is your story all about? What is your story really all about? I'm going to answer that right now. It's about the love of God. It's about the love of God. Hallelujah. Genesis 37 and 3 tells us that Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Nothing releases the destiny of a child more than the favor of a parent. 
But the reverse is also true. Something is lost in the spirit of a child that doesn't believe it is loved. Absolutely, Joseph knew that that coat that his father gave him meant that Jacob loved him. And immediately after Joseph put on his coat, he began to dream. He began to dream God's dreams. I'm telling somebody tonight, and I'm telling you young people tonight, you will not dream God's dream unless you are convinced that God loves you. Hallelujah. I know we've heard the love of God at every angle and every place, but we need to hear it more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more and nothing you can do to make him love you less. He loves you tonight. When we do not have the love of God spoken over us regularly, we will dream other dreams, dreams of fantasies, fantasies of wealth, fantasies of power, fantasies of influence, trying to fill the void in our life. But I have come to say there is no one who believes in you like God believes in you. For God so of the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for when we were still without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly for scarcely for a righteous man would one die yet perhaps for a good man someone even dare to die but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners and sinning Christ died for us. We didn't find God. God found us. He came from heaven down to earth. He pursued us. And not only did he pursue us, his love is presently surrounding us. Uh, come on, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine or sword? No, I am persuaded tonight that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things that are present nor things that are yet to come will ever be able to separate me from the love of God. Amen. I think this is relevant to this generation. We need to know that we are loved and that we are received. That's why the apostle says, knowing, knowing this, Hebrews 13 and 5, he says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. That word covetousness can actually mean fantasies. What, what is covetousness? It's really thinking that if I have somebody else's things, I can have somebody else's life. That's really what, and so he says, knowing that you are loved, there's no need to fantasize about what others have so you can somehow fill the holes in your life. He says, just be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Amen. Your story is about love. What was it that kept Joseph through the storm? What was it that kept Joseph through the challenges? It wasn't the dreams. Because he didn't remember those until he was elevated. But what was the first thing he asked about when his brothers came? How's my father? Where's my face? Is he still alive? Hallelujah. 
It was the love, knowing he knew what that coat meant. He knew that his great-grandfather Abraham had had a conversation with God. And there was a covenant between he and God. I will bless those that you bless and curse those that curse you. Amen. And I, 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 I have a, a promise. And he knew that it was continued on down to his grandfather Isaac. And then it came to his father Jacob. And he knew what that coat meant. It meant the blessing is on you, son. Hallelujah. It meant the covenant. is. He knew he was in the Lord's hands. And that's how he could deal with his challenges so gracefully. That's how he could go through the storms that he went through without losing his mind, without losing his course, without losing his direction. Because he knew he was loved tonight. I know you've got some challenges. I know you've got some problems in your life. Are there any humans here tonight? Yes, I know you've got some problems. you got some big things. i got some big things waiting on me tomorrow. Amen. But I tell you what, I've learned there's a secret joy in surrendering all of this to God. Hallelujah. Put it in his hands and know that you are in the hands of the Father. You are loved tonight. You are loved. Quit letting the enemy tell you are worthless. You are undone. You have nothing to offer. You have nothing to give. Christ has died for you. You are loved tonight. You are special. Amen. And this is what, what, what makes our story powerful when we can communicate it. Hallelujah. With the confidence of knowing that we are loved. Then we can speak transparently. Hallelujah. We don't mind people seeing our warts and our sores and our wounds, and our scars, uh, because we know that we're loved. Hallelujah. We know that he's there. He's got our back. Hallelujah. He's never leaving us nor forsaken us, so we can speak authentically into people's life. We can tell them, uh, amen, God loves me. This is, look, you see how I am. You see the condition I'm in, but because God loves me, I'm growing, I'm coming, I'm going. Amen. I'm doing. Amen. And it's the same for you. God loves you. The second question that your story needs to answer is, why is your story relevant? And again, I'm going to answer it. It's because of the call of God on you. The call of God upon your life. Apostle Paul says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? The Spirit of God dwells in you. you are, Peter says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That you may proclaim his praises. God only calls what is his. When I go out to call my children in from play, I don't call my neighbor's children. I call Ashley, Sienna, it's time to come in. I'm going to tell you, you're not here tonight because somebody invited you. You're here tonight because the Spirit drew you called you into this place. He may have used a vessel. He may have used a story to get you into this house, but you are here tonight because God has called you, and that tells you that he says, you're my child. Hallelujah. I'm calling you home. Come home. Amen. There's a calling upon each and every one of you tonight. I said there's a calling upon each and every one of us tonight, and little by little, we are coming into who we are meant to be, and the more we come into who we are meant to be, the less we want to be who we were. Hallelujah. There's a work going on in us. There's a call upon your life. And I'll tell you what, if you're not connected to your call, you'll lack the commitment that is necessary to continue the journey that you have started. But your commitment has got to be born out of the call. You are here today because you cannot walk away. Jeremiah said, there were times I would have liked to have quit, but it was like a fire shut up in my bones. I couldn't quit preaching. I don't know. They had to hold me up. They had to pull me out of a pit, but I just 
kept on preaching because it was burning in me because it's who I am. It's my call. Amen. Amen. Dylan, come on up here for a second. Praise God. Man, he did a great job tonight. Amen. It's been a joy to watch you grow up. Amen. I tell you, I'm honored. Honored. This is a great family. These kids are going to do a great thing. Just stay humble, okay? Just stay humble. And let God use. Thank you. Praise God. You can go back and sit down. When I called Dylan up here, why didn't anybody stop him? Because you didn't know his mission. You didn't know what I wanted. He said, oh, this is interesting. Let's see what Brother Strickland's going to do with Dylan. So you sat and watched. You observed for a while to see what, what was going to happen. It's the same with the enemy tonight. When God calls you, the enemy is not privy to your mission. It's between you and it's between you and God. Hallelujah. Amen. So that's why when God calls you, nothing can hold you but yourself. Amen. If there's a calling on your life, you need to get busy about answering it. If there's a call, I'm not talking about just calling to preaching and calling to, 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 to vocal ministry. I'm just talking about whatever God has spoken into your life. Get up and start doing it. Hallelujah. Because there's nothing that can hold you back. The enemy is watching. Hmm, I wonder what that's all about. Hmm, I wonder what God's planning to do in their life. I see that he's calling, but I wonder what he can only observe and watch. But if you'll get up and you'll come to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You'll realize. He is the author and the finisher of your story. I've heard it said before, amen, in the, in the, in the, in the book, uh, when the, uh, the, the author of the novel is writing the story and the, 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 the character is in trouble and, and he's, he's, he's locked up and there's no way out, uh, the only one that can get him out of the trouble is the author, right? Hallelujah. And it's the same. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our story. So come to the author tonight and let him finish your story, but answer the call for God's sake. Stand up. Hallelujah. I, 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 I uh, was just recently at our general elections in, in Great Britain and Ireland, and something disturbed me. Something really disturbed me because I saw a lot of our young people who have capacity and ability. When their names were called for service and their names were called to step up and to serve and to engage and to make a difference, uh, amen, because of, 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 of just personal issues and frictions and, and, and feeling though maybe that, that they had not been listened to in the past, they decided to just sit down and say, I won't let my name be considered. And I, I came off of the platform, amen, off of the general board table and I walked down to someone and I grabbed them by the collar and said, what's the matter? Hallelujah. Amen. I know I've sat in your room and I've talked to you and I've heard the dreams in your words and I've heard what God has spoken in your life and what you want to see. But you've got to stand up and you've got to answer that call and you've got to take on whatever responsibility it asks of you because God has enabled you. He is with you. Young people, don't be afraid to step up when the pastor asks. Don't be afraid to step up when the leader asks. Step up and serve. Step up and be used. Let your story be that I have a call of God upon my life. And I am doing my best to answer that call. Hallelujah. I, 
I know that's just simple, and I don't mean to just scream at you tonight, but I'm going to tell you what. Amen. We need to find our calling, and we need to answer that calling tonight because it's what our story is about. It's what makes it relevant. People are sick and tired of practiced uh, messages, practiced uh, uh, teachings, practiced uh, uh, even, even witnessing. Uh, hallelujah. We've learned how to say it. We've learned how to do it. What they want to hear is the authentic story. Amen. That once I was lost, but now I'm found. Jesus loved me when I was unlovable. Amen. But now he has called me to serve, and this is my mission, and this is my goal. And the passion in those words, when Maria and I, I'm, I'm almost there, folks. Flaps are coming down. Don't panic. Hallelujah. I'm just talking from my heart tonight. I'm preaching all over. This is a funeral message that I'm trying to make exciting. Maria and I started. We started in a one-room, not one-bedroom, but a one-room apartment. In Athens, with a mattress on the floor. And our living room furniture was the cardboard box that the mattress came in. Stacked upon some blocks. And she put a tablecloth over it. And we pulled out some of those, you know, those old white lawn chairs that kind of, when you sit on the legs, splay out from the church balcony and we brought those over to our house. I'm not exaggerating. That was our life. That was our furniture. Amen. But we could not have been happier because we were answering the call of God in our life. Amen. And I'll never forget, we would go, we didn't even have a car because we didn't have sheets for Christ back then. We were just hammers. Amen. But we'd walk the 12 blocks over to the Crossroads Church and spend the day ministering and preparing for what God was going to do. And, and then sometimes at night after church, late after seeing everybody off, we would walk back the 12 blocks. And there was this little nut shop in between the church and our house. And, and if we could cobble together enough coins to buy some warm cashews, man, that was awesome. We would share that. I'm, I'm telling you, that was truth. And we would share those cashews on the way and we talk about our dreams and we talk about what God was going to do and we talk about how far it, this was going to go and I'm telling you tonight we have not been disappointed <laughs> don't despise a day of small things hallelujah don't despise a day of little things until you believe in your calling you will not do the small things with excellence and if you do not do the small things with excellence you will never be trusted with big things learn to do it big where you are hallelujah worship big on low attendance Sundays teach big when there are only three students in the room live for God big when no one is watching do it big where you are that's what makes your story relevant. God promotes those who are excellent on their level. When you're excellent on your level, you do not need to fight for promotion, but promotion will fight for you. Love your family. Love your man. Love your woman. Love your job. Love your church because you are called to it. You are called according to purpose. You are made by purpose. You are made on purpose. You are made with purpose. And you are made for a purpose. Hallelujah. You have a story to tell. And your story is about the love of God. And your story is relevant because you have a calling on your life. In closing, the third question your story must answer is how will your story 
be told. In Exodus chapter 4, after a burning bush call, I don't know about you, but if I've been around some sheep and some shepherds in Greece. It's a boring job. And, and we, we know we've, you, you're intelligent people. You've got a, a really intelligent pastor, and I know he's taught you all this. But, you know, they, they used to carve, those shepherds used to carve into their staffs their stories because they were bored. And they'd just carve little figurines, and, you know, and it just kind of was a little bit of a history of their boring journey through the wilderness watching sheep. But in the process of this, Moses, the Bible, not the Bible, but somebody once said it was the sheep that brought Moses to his destiny. I thought that was good. I said it was the sheep that brought Moses to his destiny. Hallelujah. Sometimes you're just serving. You're just doing. You're just, there's just feed, Peter, feed my sheep. I'm just feeding the sheep. But there's somehow, amen, in that process, God gets you to where he needs you to be. He's had 40 years of just carving on his staff and listening to sheep bleat in the wilderness. And now there's a bush burning with such an intensity that it caught his attention enough for him to say, I will turn aside and see this great sight. And then he gets up there, and that's not at all. Now he's, yeah, the bush is burning and not consumed. Wow, this is amazing. Man, what a show. Then a voice starts speaking out, Moses. Most of you would have, like, been making tracks. But it was something about that old shepherd. He just stayed there. And, yes, Lord. So after hearing voices speak out of fires and bushes burning and not being consumed, hallelujah, and God's saying, I have separated you. I've got a mission for you. I am calling you. I'm going to set my people free. Man, you would think Moses would be running off of that mountain into his destiny. But he keeps asking these questions. And this particular question he asked, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. In other words, what if they don't believe my story? So the Lord said to him these famous words, what is in your what we hold is what we have. God didn't ask Moses, what are you thinking? God didn't ask Moses, what are you saying? God asked Moses, what are you holding? In essence, he was asking him, what is your story? Just tell them your story. It's in your staff there. It's in your hand. I'm with you. Just tell your story. I told you I'm a fifth-generation apostolic preacher. I have never been arrested for dealing drugs. I, I, I should say I've never been in prison, but I have been in prison once because I was, it's a long story, but my cousin left his license plate off of his car and asked me to drive to the gas station. And I got caught up in all of that. But thank God, he delivered me. <laughs> but I, I, I've, never, I've never spent time. I wasn't raised in a broken home. And I 
wasn't abused as a child. I was loved and I was treated well. And so sometimes I feel like, you know, well, how can I relate to these people in my community? How can I relate to these Europeans who have lost their connection with their faith a hundred years ago? Where do I start? I have nothing in common with these people. Do I put, add some ribbons and bows or do I, do I go get Brother Joe? Oh, I know Brother Joe's been in prison. Brother Joe, tell them your story. But God connected you to that person. I'll tell you what I have learned. I used to do this. I made this mistake. I think probably we've all, as pastors, sometimes, you know, you feel, well, I don't really have anything to relate to, so let's go find somebody who does and, and try to let them tell the story. But God connected them to you. And God just spoke to me one day. He said, all I'm asking you is to tell them your story. And so, Phil, that's what I started doing. In Ireland, when people in my living room, people ask me, so how did you come to Christ? Well, interesting story. I was sort of born into this thing. You know, I remember going to sleep at night in the revivals, you know, sleeping underneath. We didn't have chairs back then. We had pews. And we didn't have revival on Wednesday and Sunday night. We had revival Monday through Sunday night. We were lucky if we got Monday night off, but that was very rare. I'm not exaggerating. And, and, and there were many a night I was left in the church asleep with all the lights off because my parents got busy visiting with the evangelists, and they went out and left me in the church. And I woke up thinking the rapture had taken place. That's my story. I remember we didn't have a swimming pool because we were home missionaries, so we, did, we couldn't afford stuff like that. So my brother and I, we just would sneak into the church and swim in the baptismal pool. That's true. I, I remember... I remember playing with matches in the Sunday school room and catching Moses' beard on fire, that cotton beard, and the whole Sunday school room going up in flames and my mom running in there and saying, what's going on in here? And we're like, I don't know. Moses just caught on fire. That's my story. But I also remember when the the bricklayers cheated my dad when he's trying to build a church down there in Louisiana, and he had to fire them, and, and he had to try to become a mason overnight and trying to lay brick, and there I was as an 8-year-old boy just going to get bricks and mortar, mix mortar for him and roll the wheelbarrows bigger than me, trying to get that wheelbarrow over to him, amen, and handing him bricks one at a time and to watch those walls go up uh, and watch that church grow. And today that church runs over 1,000 people. Hallelujah. Amen. That's, that's my story. I, I, I remember my dad gathering, gathering us into the living room, and, and he was nervous. I'd never seen my dad so nervous, and I knew something was wrong. And, and he was disturbed, and he said, I, I really got to talk to the family. And, and, and then he, he, he was just finding a hard time to get the words out. And here I'm 15 years old, and I'm about to get my driver's license. Back then you could get it at 15 in Louisiana. 
Amen. So that was a big stepping stone. Man, I was, man, I was moving on. I was in high school, and, and, and my dad's nervous about telling us something. And, and then he starts talking about, you know, for many years, I've always, I've always felt that I would become a missionary someday. And God has always laid upon my heart the country of Greece, and I've been praying about it. And, and I was going to go 20 years ago, but God stopped me. And uh, I knew now that's because he needed me to build this church. But I'm feeling that the time is right. And, I, 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 you know, and, 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 and he's stumbling. I said, Dad, 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 can I help? you for a second. just a second can I say something he said yes John I said three months ago when I was at the youth camp I was sitting in the dorm with some of the young men from the church and I said after service God spoke to me and said you're not going to be here very long I've got something else planned for you and your family and I said I spoke that to all I voiced it I felt so strongly about it I voiced it to my friends at youth camp and I said it's okay God's already prepared my heart I know we're going somewhere I know something's happening it's okay and I watched the tears flow down my dad's face as he realized that God had gone before him and prepared the way that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Hallelujah. I looked up the other day when I got, before I got on the plane August the 12th to fly here for deputation. And I got people in my church who have spent time in years in prison. I've got people in my church who once dealt drugs. I hope they're not doing it any longer. I've got people in my church that were abused, seriously abused as children. I've got people in my church who, who are divorced two or three times and their families are scattered to the winds. And I started looking across the congregation, Brother Jordan, and I said, I've got a story to tell. Hallelujah. Amen. And what I saw was I just told my story and God did the people want to hear is an authentic story. They want to hear your story. They want to hear what God has done and is doing for you and through you. Hallelujah. Don't leave it to the evangelistic coordinator. Don't leave it to the team who's organizing home Bible studies. Uh, amen. Get out there at work, at school, on the job, at, 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 at the, in the community, in the, in the grocery store, wherever it is. Hallelujah. That God opens a door for you to speak. Tell your story. Be authentic about it. Be real about it. And watch that God will use your story. Amen. Because there's power in a story. I feel like tonight there's somebody here tonight. You have reconnected somehow with your story. You remembered you have something to say. And I want us to stand together tonight. Hallelujah. I think we need to respond to this word. This may have not have been a normal missionary sermon. You know, I didn't talk about raising the dead or how many people we baptized. Amen. We'll talk about that another time. But I want to challenge somebody, especially these youth. Get a hold of your story. Hallelujah. It's still in the making. It's still being written. But just tell your story. Don't try to be something you're not. Don't try to tell them somebody else's story. Don't try to be a clone of somebody else. Don't try to be brother this and brother that and sister that. Just be who you are. Just be what God has called you to be. And watch God use it. Hallelujah. He will. He will. There's power in your story. If he could take a Banu Rani from, from Bangalore, India, bring her to Athens, Greece, and turn her into a soul winner, riding her bicycle all the way, come on. He can do it through you. He can do incredible things through you tonight.
Those of you that were baptized today, I don't know where you are. Somewhere you pointed over here. Those of you that are baptized, you got a story to tell. Hallelujah. It's just starting. Amen. Hallelujah. You go out from this place tonight and you go tell somebody, man, I've never felt anything like that before. I've never experienced anything. You have got to come and see what the Lord is doing in my life. Hallelujah. Don't be ashamed of your scars. Don't be ashamed of your flaws. Hallelujah. Just let it, let it out. Tell your story. It's a story of love. It's a story of grace. It's a story of a call. It's a story that must be told. Hallelujah. Would you come tonight? Amen. Come, let's connect with our story. Amen. Let's come and find that place again. Hallelujah. this our prayer tonight come on lift your hands and sing I will be
Come on, this is one big choir tonight. I'll say it. 